Welcome to a dialogue on accountability in the digital age. A dialogue with a global multi-stakeholder community representing national and local governments, international policymakers, civil society, NGOs, the ICT industry, as well as other relevant organizations and institutes. Hi everybody, my name is Arthur van der Wees. I am a board member of the Institute for Accountability in the Digital Age here at the backdrop, uh, the Peace Palace in The Hague. And today I am um, in, in a dialogue all the way to the other part of uh, this nice uh, planet in Australia, uh, Dan Um Dan, uh, very um, happy you're, you're here and good we, uh, we can connect. Thank you very much, looking forward to it. So then you are a professor at the Faculty of Law at Bond University at the Gold Coast, uh, Queensland, in Australia. I'm already getting uh, uh, jealous when I hear the word uh, Gold Coast, of course, here based in, in the Netherlands, uh, even though our coast is not bad as well. But we're not going to talk about that. But um, I, I, of course, very interested to, uh, to hear your thoughts on, on accountability. Uh, we're going to uh, focus a little bit on uh, on. Uh, on privacy and related uh, topics, but um, any any topic, of course, can pop up uh, later on. So perhaps uh, to start with, you know, we were living in the, the 21st century. It's already uh, we're actually 21% in the 21st century. So um, you know, how 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 do you see the uh, the world and uh, and society uh, at this point? Well, it's impossible to talk about the world and the society without getting into COVID, and I don't want to start on an unhappy note like that, but clearly in the context of what we're talking about here, we're seeing what we can call a COVID-driven trend acceleration. There was always a move online, but you and I are having this conversation over Zoom. So many conferences take place over Zoom, so many meetings, people are working from home and all that. In the world as it is now, online works better than offline. And I think a lot of technology has been pushed forward with that. And, and I think the sort of adoption of technology that we've seen through this period is obviously then going to stay. I saw a study yesterday the other day suggesting that I think it was a third of people interviewed, by, I think it was World Economic Forum, suggested that a third of people interviewed would quit if they were made to go back to the office the way they had been pre-COVID. So people have certainly changed the way they live and, and a lot more of our lives are, are going to happen online, I think. Absolutely, Dan. And of course, this is an interesting uh, topic you, uh, you already uh, uh, mentioned because I'm based in, in Amsterdam in the Netherlands uh, within the European Union. You're based in Australia. Uh, this system is running in multiple uh, multiple continents uh, currently. So, uh, you know, with lo which laws applicable then? Can you please uh, explain this, All right? Which law is applicable? Oh, that <laughs> is an interesting one. I, I normally, there's one example, I try to do it a little bit fast because otherwise it's a, it's a very long one. But if you think about during this conversation, if you said something, uh, you got a bit tired of this interview and afterwards you posted something uh, uh, defamatory about me on social media. Well, which law would apply? Well, I'm here, Australian law, Queensland law, where I am would be applicable, most likely. You're in the Netherlands, so the Dutch law would be relevant. I am originally from Sweden and I have still connections there. Swedish law could come into play. 
whatever social media you're using might have its own prescribed law. So maybe the laws of California or something would come into play. Then you should also take account of the law of any place where you have any connections or friends, as we so liberally call them in the social media setting. And you need to know where your friends happen to be when they read whatever you wrote about me. And then we get into the territory of stalking, I suppose. But you would need to, to know which laws you're exposed to. You would know, need to know where all your friends are at the time they read it. So the, the, there's a lot of laws applicable to anything we do on, online. And it's a very complicated landscape, uh, even for something simple as a, as a social media posting. Yeah, I think it was as, as complex as uh, it was like, you know, four or five hundred year, years ago on the seas. Uh, three, four, five hundred years ago, and so that's how empires were built or broken up. Uh, and, um, uh, um, and and perhaps we can get inspired, uh, be inspired of, of, of that a little bit. Um, but I agree. And of course, the the, the service, the, the where the servers are running, the the and there's not only one server, there are multiple. Uh, yes. There's a hosting server in between, an ISP. Um, uh, so there, it's it's a uh, it's a lawyer's paradise, right? So. Um, so on uh, um, uh, then uh, uh, you're a professor and uh, and uh, I, I know you've written uh, a lot of books and pub uh, publications and I'm sure all the books in in the bookshelf behind you are all written by yourself and, and your colleagues. Um, uh, so uh, can you talk a little bit about the research part of your of your work and uh, uh, in this domain? Yes. So my research has all along been focused on cross-border issues. Uh, I wrote my PhD on private international law and the internet, and, and that has become a book. The, the fourth edition of that book should be out uh, 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 this year. So that's something that uh, I, I get the opportunity to promote here, then I suppose. But so uh, cross-border issues has always been my focus. Uh, and lately, it's become more focused also on the sort of public international law side of things uh, in the sense of law enforcement access to data across borders and so on. Uh, digital and cyber sovereignty, I've written about recently, I wrote a, a report for the Department of Defense here in Australia on, on the concept of sovereignty, uh, including in relation to the cyber domain. Um, so those sort of cross-border issues, I think, uh, are always going to be with us and are always going to be central to the discussions of the online environment. <clears throat> so, so then do you think, um, you know, we talk about privacy law or in Europe, the, the General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR, we of course have multiple in multiple countries already for a long time. Uh, do you think we have taken it too easy and too, um, too simple, too, uh, too uh, simplistic? Because the um, privacy law, at least in Europe, is an administrative law. Uh, it's not a consumer law or law for humans, even though it's human-centric. Yes. Um, you know, there is law enforcement there. There's public authority, like a data protection agency or an authority. Uh, there you, as a person, you have your own rights. So that's another that would be called normally you know, common law or civil, civil rights law. Um, do you think we're a little bit, um, it's, it's a bit messed up and perhaps that is one of the things why we're, it's difficult to grasp also on the international level? Absolutely. I think there's several layers to that very, very good question because it, one thing that we 
taken uh, a too simplistic approach to is matters of jurisdiction and so on. Each country has very much made its own claims without much regard to what happens when other countries make equally broad claims. That's why we end up in the sort of situations that I alluded to before, where uh, lots of laws apply to any sort of basic uh, activity online. So that's certainly one thing. I think another oversimplification that has is holding us back in a sense is this traditional notion of that we have public international law and we have private international law and the two, uh, two never meet in a sense. But if you think of something like privacy law, is it public or is it private? It sort of sits overlapping both. And I think both areas can learn a lot from uh, each other. In fact, I think there is a common core when it comes to jurisdiction, at least, between public and private international law. So there's many of those sort of simplifications that uh, I think are holding us back. Yeah. On the whole, there needs to be a greater degree of coordination uh, in how countries respond to uh, online uh, developments that need regulation. Now you talk about countries and international uh, law. Um, is this still something that can be taken care of by nations and international uh, in an international way, or is it so something that is, let's say, supra international? Um, you know, how where where do we where do we start? Well, I think countries will remain important. We. It, it, we while the internet is uh, connecting us all and so on, countries are still there and, and they still have their um, scope of jurisdiction and so on. Uh, so countries remain players, but there is, of course, other players. There's the intergovernmental organizations and there is uh, the big tech companies that are playing huge roles. I, I normally make the point that if you think if a company like Facebook with uh, its number of users change their terms of service. It affects a greater number of people than even the biggest countries in the population-wise biggest countries in the world changing the laws in those countries. So these are also major players. And I think the role uh, and the relationship between the companies and the states and so on uh, is still something that is being worked out. Uh, countries take a little bit of a schizophrenic approach to the role of the companies. They say they don't do enough and they do too much at the same time. So it's there's work to be done in that respect. Absolutely. And it, it gets more interesting uh, every, every, every day. And of course, the, the privacy law is not something of, of the last few years. It has been around uh, quite long already. Uh, the OCD actually started with it uh, formally, I think, uh, in the late 90, 80s. Um, but cyber-physical um, is, of course, an interesting uh, thing that will add to this um, challenge, but also all the opportunities that comes with it. Uh, um, um, it's it's uh, either movable uh, cyber-physical systems, so like cars and, and, and drones, but also your, your wearables, uh, your uh, injectables, your in hearables, your dareables. Um, and then, of course, also the fixed uh, cybersecurity things in your, in your home. Uh, and uh, like cameras, but uh, also all kinds of other things. So um, uh, that may be another reason why nations continue to be quite uh, quite important. Yes, but I, I think you point to something important there too. The, 
if you go back to the 90s, we would have been in a situation where people decide now I'm going online today, I'm going to spend an hour online or something. Now we are constantly online. And as you talk about the Internet of Things side of and so on, the, the integration between online and offline uh, also then affects the role of states and the role of the companies and so on. So absolutely. Yeah, so we're getting uh, more and more dependence. <clears throat> it used to be, indeed, as you mentioned, a nice to have go online and now it's a need to have you're not able to enter a country yes. if you don't have you know a particular app on your phone the phone there are only two operating systems running in the world uh, you're already basically part of that operating system uh, and the operating system is closer to you than the rule of law of of the country you live in uh, where you yes. pay tax uh, yeah. um, so how, how, how what what are your thoughts on 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 the dependence on tech technology and and, and uh, how can we you know, uh, cope with it? Because it will be here and it will increase. Yes, I'm going to say something that might be controversial. And I think we, it is this, that we need to slow down. Uh, maybe we don't need to directly aim to slow down the technology developments, but I think that is a, going to be a flow uh, on consequence of what we need to do is to slow down our technology dependence. I think mm -hmm. our technology dependence has had a much greater pace than technology's resilience. And we're seeing this with all the ransomware attacks, we're seeing it in the cybersecurity arena generally, and also on a natural defense level. I think things have just rushed ahead without sufficient attention to resilience. We are heading into even more dangerous territory with uh, Internet of Things. Uh, with AI and so on. So I think now is the time, if we haven't done it so far, now is the time to pull the brake a little bit when it comes to technology dependence. And I think the work that the Institute does on accountability uh, is key there, because I think the, the idea uh, of accountability is possibly the only thing that could slow down technology dependence. Um, yeah, I think accountability is uh, definitely, um, uh, of course, otherwise we wouldn't have named the Institute <laughs> for accountability. We're, we're not monopolizing it. it it's been around for, for, uh, for ages, uh, but I think definitely is one of the, uh, the success factors and the key and essential uh, components or catalysts uh, to, uh, to, to make this work. Because um, it's not about ethics or behavior. Uh, you know, it's up to your, your own behavior, so it's neutral on, on ethic behavior, culture, and etc. But, but you, you need to think about stuff before you do it, you need to uh, think about stuff while you're doing it, and you need to be able to explain or even defend um, after. Um, and before, during, and after uh, is a very uh, good way, um, and it doesn't matter then where you're coming from, uh, what you want to do. Um, and what the, the, the purpose is or the intent or, or uh, how you're going to, uh, um, how you intended to use, uh, how you were expecting to use and how you actually actually did it, how you actually used it. There are three uses there where, of yeah. course, generally um, um, in tech technology, the focus on the intended use where we all know that the expected use is different from the intended use. And then even the actual use is, is even different from the expected use. We're all using consumer IoT and consumer systems for, uh, for business and running countries. So, uh, so that, that I, I'm, I'm totally with you on the resilience and of course, indeed sovereignty, digital sovereignty, not autonomy. Yeah? It's not that we want to do everything ourselves, but 
that at least there is a meaningful control. Uh, you're in control of, of your system, doesn't matter where you buy them from. Um, so so um, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on those topics? Well, on, on the sovereignty side, I think that right now there's a lot of talk about sovereignty. Uh, digital sovereignty, data sovereignty, and so on, without much attention being put into what does that actually mean? I think sovereignty is a, is a trendy and useful word, but it's possibly being misused. I don't think there's too many people that sat back and thought about, are we here talking about anything related to sovereignty as an international law concept, or is it just an adoption of, of a term? I think most of the time, the use of the term sovereignty is only uh, another word for control, uh, in a, a fancier word for control in, in many settings. So I think we need to take a step back there when it comes to sovereignty and, and think about what we're actually aiming to achieve rather than just letting it become like a, a bumper sticker slogan that is thrown around everywhere. Absolutely. On the other hand, you know, if, if, if we're no, uh, if you are a company, you want to know who who is uh, in control, right? Who, who who has the who is the captain, uh, and and the captain is not the one that has control. Uh, there's another person or more persons uh, next to, above, or under that that uh, that decide together with uh, the captain. That that would be my preferred approach. Um, but of course, you also have data sovereignty and and the sovereignty of an individual. And I agree that sovereignty generally is by almost being let's say, um, and, and monopolized by certain, by uh, on a national level. Uh, and as, especially in digital, you know, that is, as it's totally a cross-border and cross-cutting, um, that, that it doesn't really stop at the border, right? Yeah. And I think the sovereignty as a notion of exclusive, exclusiveness, if exclusiveness is indeed a component of sovereignty, I think it's a bad fit with the concept of data because, Yes, you might have control over your data in, uh, to some degree, uh, or you should have control over your data, but the fact that you give your data to uh, social media to sign up for a social media account doesn't mean that you've then given it away in an exclusiveness sense. Data yeah. is, is inherently not exclusive. So I, I think there's some uh, strong contradictions in, in the very terminology there. Yeah. So um, um, then, in, in the uh, talk about the, the international part, eh? so um, um, I, I know you're a big fan of, of, of and same with me, and trying to sort out these topics on the global level. Uh, we just talked about it a little bit, um, but another approach is what's happening now is basically you get little dots or little regions or bigger regions that are you know developing it. Uh, by their own, being inspired by others, um, and then you see all kind of dots coming around in the world. And is, is that what are your thoughts about that? You know, you can connect the dots at a certain point. Uh, that's another way, perhaps, to to try to 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 get to a certain level that that you and I believe, you know, on human value level, uh, that that is appropriate. What 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 do you think about this? The the development. Yes. I think there's, I think a lot about those developments, and one there's two sides to it at least. One is that I think uh, most of the time countries are in a sort of reactive mode. They are not thinking what's going to be next. They rather respond uh, under some time pressure, typically to something they perceive as an issue. Uh, they do so in an uncoordinated manner, uh, meaning that we create an unnecessarily complicated regulatory 
world for for multinationals to operate in it, small unnecessary differences between approaches that could have been harmonized so how do we get to harmonization well the, the, the sort of wonderful solution that we're never going to reach probably is that we should have a big international agreement where everyone just sits down and agrees on how things should be that's not going to happen but what i have suggested is that we should still have it as a conceptual sort of aim perhaps but try to get there step by step i think each country should take more steps to try to iron out what what are the types of jurisdictional claims that state is making that is unnecessarily impacting outside the country yeah. and sort of cut back on, yeah. on those things where they're not serving a, a distinct purpose. <clears throat> yeah, so a step-by-step -step sort of uh, approach towards greater uh, jurisdictional interoperability, we can call it. Yeah. On the other hand, then, uh, you know, the fact that, uh, for instance, uh, the, the, uh, the privacy law, uh, for instance, GDPR is human-centric, so basically, um, uh, put the um, the person, the individual, in the center, uh, and then you know if it if it goes somewhere else out outside uh, the union, uh, it's still protected um, uh, to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, in that that is that is yeah. I, I think it's 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 not a bad approach, but uh, you because the other one is the the national centric approach. You do it on a territory by territory level, but you're in a digital age. Um, you know, that is quite um, um, has been seen uh, quite difficult as well. So it's yes. is it either or or is it uh, what 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 should we do? Well, well, I think territoriality, quite frankly, doesn't fit with the uh, internet. It's not a good structure for the countries. It's not a good uh, structure for the companies. It's not a good structure for the individuals trying to get some sort of protection. Like you say, as soon as you adopt a territoriality structure when uh, once data is outside the territory you're no longer protected or so on so it's not a good structure i have su suggested uh, an alternative framework for jurisdiction consisting of three principles that would be a, a a jurisprudential framework for jurisdiction that is not tied to territoriality where we instead focus on is there a substantial connection between the activity being regulated and the country is there a legitimate interest in and I think their connection and interest are slightly different. Is there a legitimate interest in regulating it? And are there uh, factors that need to be balanced between those legitimate interests and other uh, legitimate interests? So if we focus on that sort of structure instead of territoriality, I think we can uh, have a, uh, an approach that it's much more fitting with the online uh, environment um, because a territoriality focus just doesn't work and that's been recognized for a long time but but we haven't made much progress from it because it's so tied to the nation state i suppose absolutely so is is another way of trying to let's say spur uh, accountability and transparency uh focusing on societal challenges because we all we have a lot of challenges around the world you can pick any challenge you want you just need to start with a challenge and and get going Generally, individuals are, are there. Um, do you think that is a, a way of, of getting uh, also more international uh, harmonization going? So we can do it by the technology side, we can do it from more, more the policy legal uh, approach, 
but perhaps focusing from the societal challenges approach doesn't matter again which one we can we can we don't we can talk about pandemic or post-pandemic yeah. uh, climate change there there you know huge amounts and generally we agree with the challenges uh, doesn't yes. mean we agree with how to get it solved but what, what do you think about that is that another approach of trying to get to, uh, to the yes. appropriate level of trust that we are looking for it's it's an interesting one and i think that you're absolutely right that most of the challenges are the same in every country right and often the solutions are reasonably similar at the same time what i think we also should be aware of if, if we look at europe and the us for example they these are reasonably similar countries but there is such difficulty getting agreements around cross-border data transfers between uh, across the Atlantic here. Despite the general similarity, this democratic nature and so on, right? Now we're seeing more and more uh, countries that are not uh, of a Western democratic uh, persuasion becoming uh, more and more powerful, both online and off offline, and having a greater influence and so on. And of course, more and more countries, smaller countries coming online, being active participants. So I think in some ways we are moving at a stage where it's getting harder and harder to get agreement and progress together, even though the challenges, as you say, are something we are all facing together. There are so strong fundamental differences between some of the leading countries now that I think we are heading into more difficult terrain. Uh, definitely complex uh, then, and um, uh, uh, problems, uh, you know, to oversimplify is not good, uh, to make complex even more complex is a way to try to identify where exactly the particle is uh, that we need to uh, look into it, you know, like on nano level, uh, perhaps we can uh, get to a certain consensus, uh, you know, get a certain uh, trust level, um, yeah. and then uh, look for which, which other particle we can take. It will take a long time, um, but I, I believe, you know, the talk I talk about here, for instance, about uh, uh, seg segmenting the word uh, data. You know, it's only four letters, but uh, it's it's it mis misinterpreted uh, every day, uh, all of the time. Um, and if you, for instance, look at uh, at more on an at at on an at at attribute level, so um, not necessarily the the data source or the data itself. But a query to a data source, you get a yes or no, like the zero knowledge proof uh, attribute back. Uh, those kind of, that's basically a, a, a new classification of information um, yeah, be, be, between uh, raw data, uh, if it say, exists, and information. You know, those kind of layers um, uh, may be able to, to um, help out that actually also nations. Uh, also regarding international uh, import-export of data and transfer of data, uh, uh, can actually trust each other and also can trust their each other's uh, law systems. Yes. What are your thoughts on that? You know, try to on the, on the data-centric approach. Yes, I, I think that is is definitely one of a necessary component of any path forward. But but this trust uh, it needs to come in so many different levels trust between countries trust between countries and their citizens trust between countries and citizens of other countries uh, and so forth right yeah. and, and trust between the companies companies and the customers companies and the state and so on so uh, there is a popular talk about 
data transfer with trust, but we need to sort of map out what trust really means. And I think, again, we're going to come back to the term accountability, because without accountability, there will be no trust. I agree. You know, uh, we can say uh, you can trust me, but it's better than you say, well, I can show you that I'm trustworthy. Uh, and I yes. can only do that by uh, being accountable. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, also before, during and after again, right? So, uh, so that's what I, I mentioned a couple of times uh, for this dialogue, because uh, accountability definitely is not only on the for forensic side, when the houses burn down and we're pointing fingers at who has done it. Uh, and that's what I think what is quite powerful about accountability. I agree. So, yeah, so then uh, we need to uh, we need to wrap up um, for this one. Perhaps we, we can do another one later on. Uh, was, uh, no, this is, of course, not a topic we can uh, resolve, unfortunately, in um, in less than half an hour. Um, but, uh, you know, well, any 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 tips or towards the uh, Institute and how we can help out better or in a in a way that, that you believe, uh, you know, makes sense. I think the, the big challenge for anything like the Institute is uh, the matter of who to engage with and, and how, right? Mm -hmm. There is so many uh, people, organizations, so on that should be represented at the table. But at the same time, once you have all of them by the table, it becomes unmanageable. That mm -hmm. structural uh, issue of how to gain broad multi-stakeholder input that is still in a manageable form where everyone is heard. Uh, that is a challenge I don't envy you of uh, trying to resolve, but it is a key one for sure. Uh, I totally agree. And of course, when our, when, with our previous summits uh, in the Peace Palace, we were up to 400 people uh, from all continents uh, and all uh, um, from 16 years old to uh, uh, 86 years old, but still only 400 people, um, even yes. though we were uh, quite impressed in the people accepting our invitation in, uh, in dropping by and giving and, and, and be quite vocal on the topic. So, uh, okay, uh, then we'll, I, I make notes. Uh, thank you very much again and uh, take care and um, um, uh, say hi um, at, uh, to your uh, colleagues uh, in Australia and uh, keep uh, the continent safe and I'll talk to you later. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> nice right, talking then. to you. Thanks. Bye -bye.